Grab your Bibles, if you would. We're going to be in Luke chapter number one as we're continuing our series on sounds of the season. We're taking these next few weeks, we're looking at the Christmas narrative as it's presented to us in the Gospel of Luke, and we're really highlighting some of these characters of this story of Christmas and the response to the news that the Savior of the world is coming into existence, that the fullness of the promise of God is happening right before their eyes. And so we're going to be in Luke chapter number one again this morning. Last week, we looked at the song of Gabriel, and we saw as Gabriel the angel came to Mary and told Mary that she was going to be that vessel, that instrument that God would use to bring the Messiah into the world. And now we're going to look at Mary's response to that. We're going to look at Mary's song this morning. So if you found your place there in Luke chapter number one, we're going to begin reading this morning with verse 46. If you're physically able to stand, would you stand with me together out of respect for the reading of the Word of God? Luke chapter 1, and we'll begin here with verse number 46. Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth... All generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He has showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things and the rich He hath sent empty away. He hath holpen his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. What great truth we're going to find this morning in this song of Mary. But let's first pray and ask the Holy Spirit of God to help us as we look at this truth this morning. Heavenly Father, we're so glad to be in your house. We're so glad to be among your people. We're so glad for this time of year that we focus on the coming of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, into human flesh for the purpose of redeeming mankind from their sin. Lord, he is that Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And God, as we look at Mary's song this morning, as we look at her desire to magnify you, to lift you up, may we in our lives also endeavor to lift you up, to make you known, to live our lives in such a way that you are clearly seen through our lives. So bless our time with you this morning, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, you may be seated. Well, last week when we learned of Gabriel's song and we saw how Gabriel the angel appeared to Mary, we saw how how she kind of recoiled from that. The Bible uses these terms, she was troubled in her heart. Now, if an angel came unto you unannounced in your home, in your room, how many of you'd be a little troubled with that as well, right? And we can imagine how she felt there. And so much information she was absorbing. She was absorbing the fact that though she was newly espoused to this man, Joseph, and had not yet consummated the marriage, yet she was going to be pregnant with child. She learned that that child wasn't going to just be any human child. It was going to be really the fulfillment of all she ever heard. The promise of God that the Messiah would come into the world. She learned that this child she would deliver was going to be that Messiah. Just imagine the heavy weight this teenage girl at the time 
must have felt hearing this news from an angel that showed up unawares in her house. And yet she doesn't respond with frustration. She doesn't respond by making the story all about her. She responds with this magnificent song of magnification to God. There's a lot we're going to learn out of this this morning that I think will be a help to us. As we look at this song, I want us to first of all see that if we were to title it, if we were to title Mary's song this morning, I believe the title would be this, Make Much of God. I believe that'd be the title of her song, Make Much of God. Notice the term she uses here in verse number 46. She uses the word magnify. It says, and Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord. That's what the word magnify means. The word magnify means to make much of, to enlarge. How many of you, as you get older, you're like me, you enjoy the idea of magnification of some things. As I'm reading and my eyes get weary, sometimes I'll, I'll reach for some reading glasses or I'll reach for a magnifying glass so I can hold it over those words and enlarge those words in that lens so I can more clearly see what it is that I'm reading. And in the same way, our life as a lens for God should make him big in our lives. When people look at the lens of our life, when they look at what they see in our life, it shouldn't be that, oh, that person's got big problems or even that person has big dreams or that person has a big personality or that person has a big whatever it might be about them. They should look through the lens of our life and see a great big God. By the way, how many of you know we serve a big God this morning? A big God. They should look through the lens of our life and it should magnify the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, many times when we're talking to people, when we are sharing our lives with people, we tend to make it all about us. It would have been easy for Mary to make this all about her. Oh, look at the problems this is going to cause me. Look at the challenges I'm going to face. Look at how my reputation's going to be damaged. Look at the struggle I'm going to have as a teenage girl, not yet fully in, embraced in this this marriage with my husband, I'm just espoused right now. Look at the tor turmoil I'm going to have. Look at the trial I'm going through. If we're not careful, we tend to make the story of God all about us. How many of you are glad the story of God's not all about us? He brings us into it, but how many of you are glad it's all about him? It's all about what he's done for us. And we're real good at times magnifying ourselves kind of hijacking the work of God that he's doing through our lives and putting ourselves center stage. Yet Mary wasn't doing that. Mary was magnifying her great God, making him big. Can I ask you a question this morning? Is God the biggest thing in your life? Is it clear to others that are around you that God is the biggest thing in your life? Are you magnifying him in your words? Are you magnifying him in your actions? Are you magnifying him in your faith and in your attitude? Are you magnifying him in your ministry? Mary had every reason to fret and to complain and to murmur. But instead of doing that, she began to lift her voice in song to God and lift him up and exalt him. The psalmist speaks of this in the book of Psalms, as he writes about magnifying the Lord, he says, let us 
magnify the Lord. Let us exalt his name together. And that's what magnification is. It's exalting him and putting him in his proper place. How many of you understand it's good for us when we magnify God? It's good when we get our eyes off of ourselves. And it's good when we get our eyes off of our flesh and our pride and our needs. And we look at him for all that he is. It's good for us. Jesus said it's good for us to put God in his proper place in our life. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these other things will be added unto you. It's good for us to magnify God in our life, to make him the biggest deal. You know, a lot of times when we think of idolatry, we think of the things that we love more than God that we exalt in our life. And certainly, we can make idols out of good things in our life. You know, if we're not careful, our family can become an idol. If we're not careful, our job can become an idol. If we're not careful, other relationships or careers or or finances can become an idol. The things that we own, our material possessions, can become an idol. And in their place, those can all be good things, but... Anything that we put before God becomes an idol in our life. But it's not only just those things that can become an idol. Do you realize our worry and our fret and our care and our concern can just as much become an idol in our life as the good things that we have in our life? We can get so wrapped up with, well, what's this situation going to bring into my life? And how am I going to work my way through this problem? And how am I going to get through this trial? And before you know it, our mind and our heart is so overwhelmed by the challenges that exist in our life that we've unwittingly lifted those things up as the things that are bigger than God. How many of you are glad that God is bigger than any problem we have right now today? He's bigger than any struggle that we're going through. And here, this teenage girl living in a poor rural countryside, nobody knows who she is. Nobody probably stops and says hi to her. Nobody acknowledges who she is. She's nobody important. And yet the God of the universe came to her and said, Mary, I'm going to use you as the instrumentation to bring the Savior into the world. And she could have fretted and worried, but she didn't. She magnified her great God. Hey, are you magnifying your God through the things that you're going through today? Are you making him the biggest thing in your life? If we were to title this song of Mary, I believe an appropriate title would be Make Much of God. Are you making much of God in your life? We learn in Mary's song how we go about making much of God. What should we make much about concerning our God? Well, the first thing that we see in her song is this. She says, I'm going to make much of his salvation. If we're going to magnify God, we need to make much of his salvation. How many of you are glad for the saving grace of God in your life this morning? How many believe we should make much of that in our lives? There's nothing greater in our life than the saving grace of God. Notice with me how Mary emphasizes this in verse number 47. She says, And my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. And I want you to notice two words there. The words rejoice 
and Savior. What's amazing is Mary having the heaviest news ever delivered to her in her life is not caught up in despair. She's not caught up in frustration. She's rejoicing. How do we rejoice when things go wrong? How can we have joy in our life when things get difficult? How can we have joy in our life when things don't go the way we plan for them to go? This is how we have joy. We remember that he is our salvation. We have the saving grace of God in our life. This is so important for us to have joy. How did joy... How did, How did Paul have joy in the prison cell? He had joy because he remembered God, his salvation. Even the psalmist, during his darkest moments of life, King David wrote in his famous psalm, the great psalm of repentance and forgiveness in Psalm 51. He said, God, I'm without your joy. I'm disconnected from your joy, but return unto me the joy of thy salvation. How many of you know there is great joy in his salvation? How many of you are glad there's no sin too big for him to forgive? There's no life so wasted that he can't redeem it. There's no one beyond the saving grace of God in this room or in this world today. We need only by faith reach out to him and we can know him as our personal Lord and Savior. How do we make much of God? We make much of his salvation. Are you making much of his salvation in your life today? Hey, make much of his salvation by living for him. Make much of his salvation by living in the power of his righteousness. Make much of his salvation by declaring him and being a witness for him. Make much of your salvation by dedicating the things you have to him. Make much of your salvation by every day living by faith in who he is and what he's done for you. Make much in your life of his salvation. Mary said, my spirit hath rejoiced in God, my Savior. I believe this. Christians don't have to be grumpy. How many of you know grumpy is a choice? And a personality sometimes. No, grumpy is a choice. Hey, look at somebody and just smile at them this morning. Right, not too long. That's just weird, okay? That's creepy. Hey, we should have... Uh, the illumination of the joy of God's salvation in our life. I heard a preacher once say that our face ought not be a poor signboard for God. Don't walk around looking like you've sucked on a lemon all day. No matter how bad it gets, how many of you know God's still good? And his greatness is bigger than all the bad that can happen to us. And Mary, in the knowledge of God her Savior, rejoices in the spirit of her heart knowing the redemption that's coming full circle in the prophecy of God, and she gets to have a part in it. What a blessing this is. Make much of his salvation. If we're going to make much of God, we must make much of his salvation. We find also in Mary's song, if we're going to make much of God, we we must make much of his mercy. We must make much of his mercy. How many of you are glad this morning for the mercy and the grace of God? 
We find that Mary exalts this and magnifies this concerning her great God. Notice with me verse number 49. Actually, let's go back to verse 48. For he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. Hey, how many of you are glad that God in his mercy recognizes our low estate? In fact, in the passage that Pastor Caleb read to us this morning, we learn that Jesus Christ condescended to man. He left heaven's glory of his own free will, and he became flesh, and he dwelt among us. He regarded us. He knew we could not come to his highest state, so he left his highest state, and he came to our lowest state, and he came to marry a peasant girl in a rural town who was a nobody nowhere and he came to her and regarded her how many of you are glad this morning that god knows your name he knows my name i mean we can walk around we can go shopping today and we may go into the store and there might be hundreds of people that pass us by and never say hi to us how many of you heard a day like that you know go to walmart nobody's gonna say hi to you nobody's gonna know your name Every once in a while, you run into a friend, you know, how oh, hi, how are you doing? But most people just walking by you. Hey, when it, when it comes down to it, we all realize, hey, in the big scheme of everything that's going on, we're all about that big. I'd go smaller, but you wouldn't be able to see it, okay? <laughs> you know, we're really nothing when it comes down to it. Now, we live in a world where we're indoctrinated to be filled with pride, that we're everything, and we deserve everything, and we're the biggest deal. But we're really not. In fact, the psalmist writes, he says, What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him? We're just a little blip. But how many of you are glad that God regards us? In his mercy, he regards us. He regarded Mary. I I enjoy the fact that our kids are learning at home and we get to be part of, of their process of education and Of course, my wife's a much bigger part of that than I am, but every once in a while I get to look at their curriculum and what they're doing. And I remember watching this video with my kids at home one time about our universe. And it starts off with, you know, this cosmic sounding music. And and before you know it, the planet Earth kind of goes across the screen in its orbit, followed by the other larger planets in our solar system. And then finally the sun. And how many of you understand this? A million of our Earths can fit inside the sun. Right? And then the music kept playing, and even these bigger stars, many times larger than the sun, start going across the screen, and more stars, and more stars, and more stars, until about 40 minutes into the video, you can't even see some of the largest stars in the universe because they're being eclipsed by greater and greater stars. And then it pans out from that and shows the whole solar system that those stars are a part of. And then it pans out from that and shows hundreds of thousands of more solar systems larger than that solar system just in that sector of space. And then it pans out from that and shows many more sectors of space with many more hundreds of thousands of solar systems. And by the time you're done watching that, you're like, oh. (laughs) Almost crushed in the weight of the enormity that exists out there that God spoke into existence just like that. And you come to realize we're not much of anything. But in his mercy, how many of you are glad he knows our name this morning? With all of that going on, he knows the number of hairs on our head. He knows the thoughts and intents of our heart. He knows the callings that he has for us. 
We need to make much of his mercy. He regards us. He regarded Mary. We need to make much of the mercy that he has because he blesses us. Mary says, I will be blessed from generation to generation, of course, because she would be known as the mother, the one, the earthly mother that brought the Messiah into this world. But can I tell you what? All of us who know Jesus Christ as our Savior, all of us who have the Savior living in us, how many of you know we're blessed this morning? We're blessed beyond measure. We're blessed because of his mercy. She goes on to say in verse number 49, he is mighty and he's done great things to me. By way of testimony, how many of you can shout amen and say God's done great things to me? He's done great things to me. We we revel in his mercy. We magnify him for his mercy because though he's holy, he gives us mercy. Notice Mary notices this. Holy is his name. Do you realize we have no right to even stand before a holy God? We wouldn't be able to if his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, didn't cover our sins with his own righteousness, by the way. But because of that, we get to stand before an all-holy God because of his grace and because of his mercy. We should make much of his mercy. We should make much of his mercy by going before his throne of grace a whole lot more often than we do. By communing with him and walking with him and learning of him, we get to have fellowship with him, and that's an extension of his mercy into our lives. We need to make much of his mercy. We need to make much of his mercy because he's faithful from generation to generation. Notice with me, verse 50, and his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. Oh, what a wonderful thing it must have been for Mary to be here at the culmination of the coming of the Messiah, being part of the fulfillment of prophecy that existed in her culture all the way back to the time of Abraham when Abraham was promised of thy seed, the whole world would be blessed. And here's Mary, a little peasant girl, bringing out the fulfillment of the whole circuit of that prophecy. And Mary got to say very definitively, he's faithful from generation to generation. How many of you are glad God's even faithful in our generation today? I talk to parents and I understand, you know, new couples, parents, dismayed with what they see in the world, questioning whether they want to even have children. You know, I don't know if I want to bring children into this world that we live in. And I understand that thinking from a fleshly standpoint, but can I just remind you of something? God is faithful in every single generation. He was faithful to reveal himself to children back then. He'll be faithful to reveal himself to your children today and to be a blessing to your family today. He's faithful from generation to generation. We need to make much of his mercy. If we're going to magnify God, we learn in Mary's song that we should also make much of his strength. We should make much of his strength. How many of you are glad this morning that our God is a powerful God and a capable God? It is said of our God, he is able. It was said of God as Gabriel came to his servant Mary that nothing shall be impossible for God. He's able, he's powerful, he's strong. And Mary exalts that and she's going to proclaim that, that God is bigger than man's pride. He's stronger than man's prideful heart. He's stronger than man's powerful positions. He's stronger than man's powerful riches. Sometimes we look at the world and we think it's all fixed. 
We've got evil governments, we've got evil finances, we've got evil this, and nobody can really make their way because they're in control of everything. I've got news for you today. They're in control of nothing, and my God is in control of everything. My God is sovereign over everything. And here's this peasant girl in a peasant town, has nothing going for her under the, the reign of the Roman government. No hope for making a way or a big name or a big life. Or the American dream. Not defining her world by any of those things, but just defining her world by this simple truth. My God's in charge of everything. And notice how she magnifies his strength. Notice with me here, verse number 51. He that showed strength with his arm, he hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. How many of you know the proud of this earth will one day be scattered by the rod of God? In the book of Psalms, chapter number two, this prophecy is given. Why do the heathen rage and the heathen imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth have set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bands of sunder. Let us cast away their cords from us. But he that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. How many of you are glad our God has it all under control? And he's got a plan. I mean, God, we got a God with a plan this morning. He's not one of those cupboard gods, you know, one of those little stone etchings that we pull in and out of the cupboard just to make us feel good. How many of you got he's sitting on his throne in heaven and he's alive and he's active today? And he is in control and Mary knows this. And so Mary speaks of his strength and how he scatters the proud and their evil imaginations of their heart. Verse 52, he hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. Verse 53, he hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent empty away. There's nothing wrong with position if it's used rightly. There's nothing wrong with riches if it's used rightly. But make no mistake about this, our positions and our fleshly might and our earthly riches are not going to overpower God. He is in supreme control. We should make much of his strength. Hey, are you clamoring in this world for the strength that this world offers? Or are you basking in the knowledge that you have a wonderful God who has immense strength and he's able and capable in your life? If we're going to magnify God, we need to make much of his strength. Lastly, and we'll be done, we need to make much of his help. If we're going to magnify the Lord, we need to make much of his help. How many of you are glad we have a God that helps us? The Bible says we can go boldly before his throne of grace that we may obtain help and favor in our time of need. He's a God who can help. He's a God who wants to help. We need to make much of his help. Notice how Mary magnifies this in verse number 54. He hath holpen his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. This word holpen is an old term that refers to the idea of help. And it's not a type of help that's distended or extended or detached. It's a personal help. The idea of this word is a succoring. It's a pulling close to your chest. It's a harboring, a covering, a shield, a protector, a buckler, a high tower. These are all things that God has mentioned as being to us in the book of Psalms. A fortress, something that's around us, uh, the psalmist spoke of God 
And he says, as a mother hen puts her wings over uh, the chicklet, so God puts his wings of protection over us. There's this personal help that, that God wants to give his people. He's not an impersonal God. He's not an impersonal force that we call on as some magic pixie dust to help fix our problems. He so wants to be a personal help to us that he actually came from heaven to earth and took on human flesh. That's how personal he made it. And how many of you are glad he continues to make it personal? So much so that if you're saved, you now are the temple of the Holy Ghost that's in you. He fills you with his spirit. He indwells you with his power. He's there personally to be a personal help to you and to me. How many of you remember the day when you had trouble and you could actually go to a human person to find help? Like your VCR would break. That's about the, they they called them VCRs back then. (laughs) There wasn't the streaming stuff or this digital stuff. It was VCRs. How many of you remember the, the giant, you know, VHS movie tapes. <laughs> Rented some movies. <laughs> Pull them in your wagon to get them in the door, you know. And back then, there's actually real people you could talk to. Like, you could go into a place. You could say, I'm having trouble. And they lift your huge videotape out of your wagon, put it on the counter, and tell you how to use it. And now you can't get a live person to save your life. <laughs> right? You have something go wrong, you're on the phone, you're talking to this person. They're not even in the same country. <laughs> Talk about detached help. I mean, they're over across the globe telling you about stuff you don't even know in words you don't understand. And you're just like, help me! <laughs> How many of you are glad... The God of the universe isn't like that. He is Emmanuel. Not God away from us, God with us. He's in us. He's around us. we, we, We walk through life with him, hand in hand. There's relationship there. There's real help there. On Sunday evenings, we're looking looking at the sufferings of Jesus. Why? Because he related to us even at the points of suffering that we go through. So that when you're going through tragedy, when you're going through loss, when you're going through health issues, when you're going through financial issues, when you're tired, when you're hungry, when you're lonely, when you're betrayed, you have a Jesus who's been through all of that and he's still there with you today. And he's our help. He holpened his people Israel he, 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 he came down there with them. How many of you understand? He dwelt with his nation Israel, even back in the Old Testament. He dwelt there in the tabernacle. In the day, he was a pillar of cloud. In the night, he was a pillar of fire. He came with them out of Egypt. He went with them through the Red Sea. He was with them in the wilderness. And then he came as a baby in a manger. And then he died on the cross. And then he rose again. And now he's in you and me if we know him as our personal Lord and Savior. And how many of you are glad he's going to come and give help again? Personally, he's going to return. Oh, man, that's good. And he's going to rule and reign for a thousand years here on earth. And he will never, ever, ever, ever be unseated. He will maintain his throne forever and ever. Amen. Mary's song. It's titled this, Make 
much of God. When people look at the lens of your life, do they see how big other things are? Or do they see how big your God is? Magnify him. 